And meanwhile, hi, this is Seb. And this is Marcus. And welcome back to Meanwhile, a podcast where we talk about films, TV shows, and everything pop culture. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic indeed. Now, last week, um, we talked about our best animated TV shows of all time. So be sure to go check that out and give us a follow so you won't miss any future episodes. But whilst recording that episode, we briefly talked about guilty pleasures, and it kind of got us thinking. Let's do an episode where we talk about movies that are universally panned, universally hated, but we personally love. Now, disclaimer, these aren't movies that are so bad they're good, because that's a separate episode altogether. (laughs) Today, our picks are pretty much just deemed as bad films by everyone. Some of these films may have cult followings, but for my picks at least, I don't think I've met anyone else who actually likes them. (laughs) But um, (laughs) today I'm mainly going to be focusing on one film, whereas Marcus, I know you've got two films that you wanted to talk about. Yes, I do. And I think think we'll probably stem into an open discussion Mm -hmm. on on other films, Mm. because prior to actually recording, Seb and I were already going off on a tangent. Mm. There's definitely lots of honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions for sure. Um, I guess these are kind of guilty pleasure films. You could call it that. But I feel like with guilty pleasure films, you know, at least there's like parts of the audience that like it. Like, I don't know. Like, for example, when I was picking my guilty pleasure TV show, I picked Gilmore Girls. And, you know, there are people that either love it and then there are people that are like, oh, it's cheesy. Whereas these films tend to not even have people that like it um so it's gonna be a very interesting topic indeed but without further ado let's just jump straight into it marcus what is your first pick this is almost embarrassing to say but i've chosen 2001's lara croft tomb raider Woo woo! Woo! hell yeah theme song what is the theme song i don't even know well we'll cue it today and i don't even remember cue it anyway So, starring Angelina Jolie at arguably the height of her fame. Iconic queen. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, accompanied by the protagonist, Ian Glenn, who is probably most famous for Game of Thrones. But I actually remember him as Resident Evil's Dr. Isaacs, mm. pre-Bond Daniel Craig, and Angelina Jolie's real father, John Voight, who plays her father in the film. So why is this film so bad, right? Metacritic, 33 out of 100. It's pretty low. IMDb, 5.8, which I guess is not actually that low. But for 7i, that's that's pretty low, I'd say. Mm. Would you, wouldn't you agree? 5.8 is pretty low. It's pretty low, considering how harsh 7i are on films. 5.8 is pretty low. So, I mean, if you haven't seen it, and I imagine quite a lot of you haven't, because I think it's a forgotten gem. The plot, super simple, based off the video games Tomb Raider, Lara Croft hunts for an ancient time-bending artifact that is closely linked to her father's mysterious disappearance <laughs> while juggling the, with the Illuminati who want it to bend the world to their will. Pretty cliche, mm-hmm. straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I was only five when this came out, so obviously I didn't watch it when I was five. 
or maybe I did. I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty yeah. sure I watched it when it, in the cinema or something. But mm. but oddly enough, I've actually watched the hell out of this film as a kid. Mm. I think it was just because uh, I had the CD in my house. Mm. And I, I guess as a child, you're just like, you know, anything your parents will let you watch, you just watch to death. Mm. So I've always like held really fond memories of it. it kind of brings me back to a place. And it was also one of my first introductions in film to a female action hero, which I guess is in line with the character's origins, because when the video game came out in 1996, all of the horny boys of the world were like, oh my <laughs> god, 36 double Ds, what is this? But the game was a massive success, and it was just really good to see Angelina Jolie, who actually looks so much like the character. So why was this film panned? <laughs> oh, here we go. So video game adaptions in themselves are like a whole segment. It, it's so it is such a tricky business. Mm. It would be difficult to name even five faithful video game films mm. that are actually decent. You know, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. But those films are not remotely faithful to the source material. Mm. And this film doesn't take itself seriously, which I think is its greatest strength. It's inherently a silly film. Like, let's be real. It's got over the top action, a soundtrack that quite literally has aged so badly, but in a really great way. And a plot that actually doesn't really make any sense. Cause you spend about 70% of the film just kind of being like, what's actually happening? <laughs> and then the last 10%, it kind of like all happens and you're just kind of there like, you know what? I don't even care. It was just good fun. Mm. You know, you, okay. So you've got Daniel Craig's Alex West. This is pre-Bond Daniel Craig, mind you. So he's not like a massive A-list star yet. So it's, see, we see him sport possibly the worst American accent I have heard. Lol. And weirdly enough... I always found Jolie's British accent quite decent as yeah, a kid. Yeah, it's not bad, actually. But now that I watched I watched it today, mm. and now that I've lived in the UK for like five years, okay, yeah, it's arguably not great, but it's still not as bad as all the reviews are saying. And I actually find it really weird how you cast Daniel Craig as a all-star American boy, and you cast Angelina Jolie <laughs> as an all-star British girl. It. Things casting sometimes just weirds me out. So the word bugger in this film <laughs> is used Bugger. Like ev- yeah. I've lived here we've I've lived here for like five years. I've never heard anyone use that word in context. Yeah, me neither. Like bugger. in the film, it seems like instead of swearing, they replace that with oh bugger. And you're just there like it's so forced. Right. But it's comical. There's so much like comedy in the film that i don't even know if it was written in or if it's just that ridiculous that you're just kind of there like oh okay you know what this is this is just funny because the the script is kind of nonsensical the characters just make non-decisions like daniel craig's character doesn't even need to be in the film he doesn't actually do anything for the plot he's just there Mm. for most of the film he's Mm. kind of He's kind of the male version of Lara Croft, but instead of doing it for 
kind of adventure and action. He does it for money. And, you know, a very big part of Lara Croft's character is she does it for, like, the adrenaline. She does it for the rush. She does it because she wants to know things. Mm. And that's that's great for a female character, especially someone like Angelina Jolie, who is an iconic female actress playing such an iconic video game girl. So, <laughs> you know, whenever I think of this film, I, I just kind of laugh because today was the first time I've seen it probably in about over five years. Easily, I'd say about 10 maybe. So re-watching it today was actually such a treat because I believe a pretty big factor in why the film is regarded as terrible is because of the other films that came out in the same year. 2001, right? This is 19 years ago. Seb and I were still in diapers. Probably not, actually. Maybe I was. <laughs> it was a pretty big year for action films, okay? So this is going to make you feel real old, Seb. The first Fast and Furious film came out. Rush Hour 2. Oh, God. Classic. Great film. The second Mummy film, Mummy Returns. Oh, hell and yeah. And, you know, the shit show that is Pearl Harbor. If oh, that's God. Even, if these are all, you know, action films... Pearl Harbor, I don't know if you can actually fully count that as an action. It's more romance, but still. Well, I know putting... what, you ca- what you can categorize as a shit film. Yeah, yeah, I can't even defend that film. I, I feel like a lot of people at the time and still now, they continue to compare it to films that of, of like the same year. And I, I just don't see how you could compare this Tomb Raider film to Fast and Furious. Because Fast and Furious... Every single one of those films has been terrible. Mm. Like they're they're just terrible. Mummy Returns, that's actually a pretty that's good fun. So Pearl Harbor, massive hit, terrible film, but it was a massive hit. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. And you had Rush Hour Two, which was like buddy rom com, genius film. Yeah, exactly. It was great, and I think loads of people kind of just slept on Tomb Raider, and I still think they're sleeping on Tomb Raider. Because this is actually supposedly one of the highest grossing female-led films. It made over $200 million when it first came out. You know, it made so much money when it first came out that they made a sequel, which I won't talk about because that's (laughs) actually terrible. There's a Hong Kong scene in the sequel, though. You know, the sequel was actually banned in China. Why? Because it depicted China as like some oh actually I kind of like remember rural now. gangland right I kind of remember now they had like motorcycle gangs and shit or something yeah yeah they yeah. like they they drive they had, there's a motorcycle chase on the Great Wall of China yeah yeah I mean actually you know what? I might revisit that because it might actually be great fun. yeah same I was gonna <laughs> say like yo I haven't seen that film in so long it might actually be lit <laughs> okay let's talk about the director Simon West okay who is he you may be asking <laughs> i still don't know <laughs> because when i looked at his imdb i was like ah this guy this guy surely tomb raider actually made a, a decent amount of money so you know he probably got some jobs off that mm. the only other decent film he has made you know decent is doing it injustice he made con air mm. which is actually a great film and mm. i debated putting it on this list but I think Tomb Raider is much more hated. <laughs> so as the great Roger Ebert said regarding the film, Lara Croft 
Tomb Raider elevates goofiness to an art form. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here is a movie so monumentally silly, yet so wondrous to look at, that only a churl could find fault. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty... It's a weird com- compliment, but it's a compliment nonetheless. I, I completely agree with it, though. Mm. Uh, the film is silly. It's ridiculous. It's loud. Mm. It's good fun. Angelina Jolie in her prime. She she does so much fan service in that film. Apparently, she did not want to wear the iconic short shorts that Lara Croft wears right. in the video games. Because, like, you know, fair. that's a fair request. Right. But... She was like, you know what? I'll do it for the fans. And she did it. And in the first film, because in the original Lara Croft games, the, the 36 double Ds <laughs> were so ridiculously big <laughs> that Angelina Jolie agreed to actually wear padding in this film to match the video game size. Damn. Yeah, in the second film, she like went back to normal. But she should have put like triangular blocks. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Mate. Honestly, rewatching it now, she has some amazing fashion sense in the film. Oh, I do remember some iconic queen moments for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, she's got some proper chic going on. Mm. Like with the 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 wool and like Yeah, the, like, I think suave, I do remember this. Iconic queen. You know, especially towards the end when she's um going to like I guess the final boss fight or whatever you want to call it. Mm. You know, she's got this lovely long coat on with like this really nice fur hood she's mm. riding on this like dog sled and you're just there like why does she look so fucking cool <laughs> you know and it's, it's got really good action the mm. cg is not it's not terrible but some of it really didn't hold up when i rewatched it today right and the i think the problem is a i couldn't find a like a blu-ray or a 4k hdr version so mm. I ended up just watching like a, a quote-unquote HD version. Right. I actually bought it. I paid £4.50 for it. Oh, damn, fair play. Yeah, just just to watch it in the best possible quality I could to give it a chance to mm. like re-impress me. And I'd say about 75% of the film is practical stunts. Like the amazing ballerina kind of like wall swinging scene she does when the uh, bad guys come into her house to steal oh what a scene like that was all jolie okay like kudos to her for doing her own stand we stand yeah it was sick Rewatching it today it was sick um i still question the choice of music used in the film because it aged so badly it's like (laughs) a weird mix of like uk garage and jungle and drum and bass and it it brings you back to, I guess, what the early 2000s yeah, sound. Yeah, you know, I guess it's just like a sign of the time. It's stuff. a sign of the time, mm. but for me, it it just didn't age well. Yeah, fair and enough. And that's, so. that's probably my biggest gripe with the film. But apart from that, I fucking love this film. <laughs> like, it's just good fun. Mm. You can't fault it. Does it deserve a 33 out of 100? No, of course it doesn't. See, I was about to, I was about to say, right, I think like... I don't know the general opinion of this film. I feel like not people just don't talk about this film. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I asked my friends what their thoughts are on this film, they'll probably say like, I don't actually remember it. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember it being as hated as you said it was. I genuinely thought like it was like a I don't know like a middling range of like like I don't know it was like sixty percent or some shit. I never knew it'd be like lower. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 weird, right? Especially considering how much it did at box office. The mm. fact that there was a sequel. Mm. The fact that it's Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. She actually hasn't done many bad films that I can even think of. Like inherently straight up bad films. I can't even think of Touche. Good film, point. You know? And it's Angelina Jolie. She chooses what she wants to do. She is an do. iconic queen, I'm sorry. Although let's let, like let's be real though. Um I did read that she only agreed to do to, uh, this film so she could go and visit the countries and locations it was shooting in. Hey, fair enough. And this was apparently one of the first or the first film to shoot in Cambodia since the 1960s. Yeah, fair enough. I remember going to Cambodia. They are proud of that fact. When you go to Angkor Wat and Cambodia, the first thing they say, have you seen Tomb Raider? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, fair enough, though. Yeah, big I, At least they remember Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely think it's a film that people need to revisit mm. because it is, you know, like, it's not a 6 out of 10. I probably agree with the 5.8 to be fair right it's passable it's good fun i just don't when i sit down and watch it i'm just sitting down and i'm gonna be like you know what i'm gonna have a good time Mm. i'm not gonna take it seriously because i don't need to take it seriously Mm. i'm gonna pretend i know nothing about the the video games because i i really don't apart from like you know key facts because it is an iconic franchise Mm -hmm. so i can sit down i can detach I can enjoy a bit of cheesy early 2000s action film. One-liners and all that. Exactly. So many one-liners. Yeah, we stand. We stand. And the butler. He's fucking... Yeah, the butler's sick. Yeah, I just remember him. Yeah, during the ballerina scene when she's doing all this ballet, like swinging... He's in like a bathrobe or something, right? Yeah, (laughs) he spends like the whole fight scene in his bedroom putting his bulletproof vest on, putting his slippers on, loading his shotgun up, and then he comes out and it's all over. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's sick. And he's he's like, I don't know, he's kind of like a really weird Alfred. Mm. And it's great. And this is, you know, I can't even remember. I watched it today and I can't remember anyone's names because everyone is so forgettable. There was that like the, the, the guy that lived geek. on, yeah, the geek guy living in the trailer. Yeah, who, who makes the robot that comes out at the beginning of the film yeah. that tries to to kill her mm. and you're just there like hmm <laughs> if that actually killed her you'd be out of a job my friend <laughs> in it lol but yeah you know and there's some really funny scenes with him where he's trying to unwind the clock screw by screw he's like screw nine to quadrant 14 <laughs> screw eight to quadrant 15 and then laura just walks over and like hits the clock with a hammer to like break it open yeah. and he's just like bugger <laughs> <laughs> bugger and you're just there like, why are you saying this, mate? Because he's an actual English actor. Bada. Surely he's an actual Englishman. You would read the script and be like, we don't actually say that. <laughs> like, like, I guess they're trying to appeal to that American audience. Just like, this is what we all sound like. Yeah. I can't even think of... I just got flashbacks of David Tennant in Broadchurch now. Miller! Fucker! <laughs> <laughs> we will be doing an episode. We uh, have to do an episode on like best detective shows. Mela! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I, that, that's literally my piece on Tomb Raider. Sure. Fair enough. Sweet. It's something that you shouldn't think too much about. It's something I don't need to think too much about because I know it's good fun. I know it's not as bad as everyone's saying. 
it doesn't deserve a 33 Metascore, but who actually listens to Metascore? Who listens to Rotten Tomatoes? Mm. I literally couldn't. I care. think that's the key, a very important point for for our listeners here is that these scores that you see on these websites and stuff, you need fake news. I mean, <laughs> like I, it can you know sometimes be pretty accurate, but I know so many good films that have very low ratings, and so many bad films that have very high ratings. And at the end of the day, I feel like you need to understand that the people that would take the time to put these ratings onto these websites, they either hate it or they love it. There are lots of middle people, lots of people in the mid range that probably wouldn't even bother. So you do need to take these things with a grain of salt. And I do agree that Tomb Raider is definitely not that bad. of In fact, I didn't actually know it was a hated film until, you know, you were telling me today. I genuinely <laughs> thought it was kind of just, you know, and like an all right film that people kind of liked. I never knew that it had like a low rating and shit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, when we discussed putting this list together last week mm-hmm. i literally had to scratch my brain so hard and i was like what films do i actually like that <laughs> that are held in like really low regard and i completely forgot this film existed mm. and i'm really happy i rewatched it because it brought back some really great childhood memories i was gonna say it, it would bring back memories for sure watching this film i remember watching the second one in the cinema specifically I think the Same. first one I definitely watched on TV. I think it was probably on TVB Pearl or something on like a Sunday night. And yeah, it does bring back memories of, you know, when Hong Kong before all this crazy political stuff and, you know, just like, yeah, like a weekend you sit with your family and you're like, let's put on a film or something. And then Tomb Raider would come on. But like, yeah, let's watch Angelina Jolie kick some ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got to say the poster for the film is sick i think it's iconic isn't it just her like holding two guns looking really sexy and cool yeah okay fair enough <laughs> and weirdly enough the second film has a higher meta score than oh. the, the first fair so i mean from memory yeah maybe from memory wrong. i would swear that the second film is pretty bad but i guess i'll just need to revisit it and i am glad I'm revisit it that you have yeah. reminded me of this film and this franchise for sure Angelina Jolie is an iconic queen. She is, and you know, I am, I do, st- I do agree with the fact that I don't think she's ever made a bad film. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a great start. That's a great start to our episode today. All right, Seb, I know what you're going to talk about next. And mm. I'm really excited for this. Okay, I'm on the same page as you. All right, here we go. So let's go. So, my first pick is a film that was infamously so bad that the lead actor retired from acting for good. Mind you, he was pretty old by then, so it's probably not as dramatic as it seems. But alas, the movie I have picked is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Woo! Roll the intro. So this movie was produced on a large budget of nearly 95 million, pulled in about 180, so it's not too bad, uh, worldwide, and it did pretty good numbers when it hit the DVD market. But unfortunately, it didn't quite meet the studio's expectations and was considered a box office failure. And plans for a sequel were scrapped. The film was directed by Stephen Norrington, 
who made a name for himself directing the Marvel movie Blade a few years earlier. Great film. Great film indeed. Now, the critical reception of LXG didn't help the movie at the box at the box office at all, with most reviews being largely negative. Empire Magazine awarded it two out of five stars, criticizing the film's exposition and lack of character depth, and it floated really close to getting one star. Roger Ebert gave the film one out of four, and he said that it was a great premise that starts out well but plunged into inexplicable motivations and general lunacy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so the film LXG was based on Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill's popular graphic novel of the same name. Now they were very disappointed with the adaption. Kevin O'Neill, the illustrator, said that he believed that the film failed because it was not respectful of the source material. Now it's here that I need to mention that I believe that it is very important to separate the source material and the adaption because it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, we do have examples, exemplar examples, such as Lord of the Rings, arguably the best adaption of, you know, a book ever. We've got Harry Potter. Um, but it is still, you know, even with those films, there are loads of storylines, characters and plot lines that are omitted and taken out. And it is a very difficult thing to adapt these things for screen, for a movie that's about like two hours long. Um, so I... And I do admit that personally, um, myself and Marcus, we are guilty of, you know, sometimes comparing, say, a DC movie or Marvel film to the original comic. But I do believe that it is very important to understand source material is one thing, film adaption is another thing. And I think it's very much the case with LXG, where look, it's inspired by the original comic. You've got things that were borrowed, like characters and elements that were borrowed but that's basically about it. Um, now, the premise of the film, in my opinion, is fucking lit. It sounds cool as shit. Now, obviously, lots of credit needs to be given to Alan Moore, who came up with the idea in the first place. But it's essentially the Avengers before the Avengers was even made. And it's essentially using, rather than using Iron Man or, say, like, with DC, like Batman and Superman, rather than using superheroes like that, they Alan Moore chose to use superheroes from literary uh, works of the 19th century or Victorian England. So, the team itself comprises of Alan Quatermain, played by Sean Connery, and he is basically the hunter. You know, he's like the, you know the guy that who could capture anything. He's like a sharpshooter. He's like the tactician almost. He's like the leader. Quartermain, he is from Hogarth's King Solomon's Mines. That was a book that was published in 1885. Jesus Christ, that's an old book. <laughs> Mina Harker, another character on the team, uh, is from the book Dracula from 1897. We've got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1886. Rodney Skinner, who was re uh, who replaced Holly Griffin from H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man, 1897, because um, the original novel didn't have the rights to The Invisible Man. Uh, Captain Nemo from 2000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, Dorian Gray from Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Tom Sawyer from Mark Twain's Adventure of Tom Sawyer. 
Ishmael from Moby Dick, and Professor James Moriarty is the villain from Sherlock Holmes. Um, and there we go. Basically, it's like a team of these heroes of different backgrounds and different abilities um, fighting against James Moriarty, the Napoleon of crime. So I think it's a genius premise. You know, I feel like it's a really cool idea. And it's basically the Avengers, except it's famous supernatural characters from literature. And I personally think that this film is actually fucking lit. Like, I don't give a fuck what people say. Fuck all of you. This film is sick. And I understand, like, you know, why people have gripes with this film. I will acknowledge them and I will try to debate them. But I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. Basically, this film has a 17% Rotten Tomato score. 17%. That's a bit mad. And when I think, and when I watch this film and, you know, compare this film to, say, to other superhero films, I wouldn't say it's any, it's any worse, if I'm completely honest. So the plot of this film is basically, you know, you've got this league, you've got this team of really cool individuals. They come together. They then go on to this very big ship called the Nautilus, courtesy of Captain Nemo. Um, and then they have suspicions of each other. They have like mini arguments. They're kind of like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they've got like uh, inner struggles within the team. And then it ends with an epic kind of like CGI fight and stuff. That is pretty much exactly the plot that we got in the first Avengers film. Like legit, when you think about it, that's exactly what happens. But the main thing, the main gripe that I do hear from people is that oh, the CG is really bad and there's not enough character depth. Now, I'm going to go into these points. Yes, the CG does suffer for sure. And when you consider when this film was made and say, compare it to the film I was comparing it to, The Avengers, of course, you know, CG has come a long way since 2003. Um, but that being said, so the, so the main bad, so the main epic, you know, finale of this film involves... Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde fighting against this big CG monster. Um, and it's very much like Wonder Woman where, or uh, Batman versus Superman where they just fight like a huge CG guy. And yes, it definitely does look jarring. But other than that segment, other than the final third act, I would say that this film looks pretty fucking good. The set design, the art design, the costumes looks genius. And... The main thing is this film incorporates a wide variety of special effects. They've got miniatures, they've got digital matte paintings, CG, makeup prosthetics. The makeup prosthetics for uh, Dr. Hyde is really good. Like he's basically the Hulk. And again, just more comparisons to the Avengers film. But the prosthetics look really good. Like he looks fucking legit like a giant monster beast thing. Uh, when they were shooting all these scenes of Dr. Hyde, they made a smaller set to make him look bigger. They used lots of false perspective shots when he interacted with the other cast of characters, very much like Lord of the Rings. The transformation from Jekyll to Hyde was also really well executed. Uh, instead of being like a CG morphing effect, because they knew of the limitations at the time, um, the effect is achieved with flashes and quick cuts, and it made the whole sequence look painful and more visually striking. 
Now, what I love about this film is its large use of miniature effects. The opening act set in London looks brilliant. The attack in Venice, though a bit inconsistent with its mix of miniatures and CG, the model works. Uh, I mean, the model work definitely excels here. Because, uh, you know, you've got like tanks, you've got remote controlled cars thundering through a miniature set. It looks real, like it genuinely looks real uh, because it is real. It was all done practically. Um, and as you watch the film, the effects do lose some of its quality come the third act as they clearly were running out of money. And that is mainly because this film was plagued by a lot of production issues. The studio executives kept on butting in and they, and they weren't really cooperating with the director in Orrington. There was lots of pressure put on Orrington uh, and there was no sympathy given when production was halted by a huge flood, like the worst flood in the Czech Republic's history where they were filming. But the producer's like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. We're, we're not giving you any like delays. You still need to meet the deadline. Uh, there was lots of CG issues, lots of budget issues. And... Um, I just really kind of feel sorry for Stephen Norrington. Like, obviously, like there are lots of parallels that I that I'm seeing here with, say, Zack Snyder when he was making Justice League, and it just feels like the Warner Brothers were just not making it easy for Norrington. That being said, Norrington didn't make it easy for himself either, uh, because he did have a very bad relation, uh, working relationship with Sean Connery. Um, they basically disagreed almost over everything with uh norrington kind of changing setups during the shoot much to connery's annoyance and according to anonymous sources on the set there were frequent shouting matches and in one infamous incident norrington challenged connery to hit him in the face to which connery responded by walking off norrington didn't even attend the film's opening party and when connery was asked where steven would be Connery apparently said, check the local asylum. <laughs> what kind of man fucks with James Bond? Touche, touche, good point. But <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, so there was definitely beef. There was definitely beef. And, you know, many of the actors and, of course, the co the original comic book artists voiced their concerns of the movie being so different from the source material. And soon after filming was completed... The director, Norrington, apparently wrote a letter to producers telling them that he's no longer going to work in Hollywood. And he hasn't done anything to this day, which is quite sad when you think about it. Because, like, you know, what if the producers didn't, you know, what if the producers actually allowed him to kind of um, have this time and have that budget and not have to meet the deadlines? I feel like we, the effects and stuff in particular would have been worked on a lot more and that, as I said, is the main gripe of these audiences saying, oh, the final big bad guy just looks too jarring or the CG just looks too bad. But if you compare like how good the earlier segments are in terms of the set design and how it actually looks good, if this film were given more time, I feel like it probably would have looked pretty legit. I think um, if you think back to like the early 2000s, mm everyone was trying to churn out sequels as fast as physically possible. Mm -hmm. I think because of the success of the first two mummy films. Mm -hmm. And I think this film is regrettably the, like the due cause of that kind of process of we need to churn out films as quick as possible. Mm. Fuck whatever the director says. It's mm. still happening now, 
But when you think about what was actually coming out in the early 2000s, we had the X-Men series, we had Spider-Man coming out. Mm -hmm. We had all of these like great franchises being built. Mm. And I think all studios were scrambling Mm. to get their own off their own thing going as well. Mm -hmm. And I think with the source material of League of Gentlemen, there's so much content and there's Mm. so much potential to be had Mm -hmm. that I feel really, I, you know, I love this film like you do, but it's really sad to think of what it could have been and the potential for a franchise it had mm-hmm. with all of these legendary literary characters. Mm-hmm. It's sad. You're just making me sad, dude. It is. And it is really sad because, like, if you really think about it, the premise of this movie is like perfect to make like a film franchise nowadays. Like think about how big the MCU have become, blah, blah. This is prime time. You know, comic book nerds would love this kind of shit. But oh, anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, back to what I was saying about like the CG and shit. I think overall the quality of the good effects outweigh the bad ones. Cause genuinely I think act one and act two, the film looks really good. Yes, you know, the water simulations and stuff, blah, blah, don't look as good. But up until the third act, I would say it's definitely passable. And loads of the, I wouldn't, no, not even passable. It just looks good. Um, so, I mean, that, that just because there was a heavy use of practical effects, the in-camera effects are definitely the, um, you know, look the most impressive. And... You know, CG, CGI is constantly improving and CG from, you know, nearly what, like 17 years ago now, rarely holds up to today's standards for sure. But again, like I said earlier, if they didn't have any delays with the production, I'm sure many of these effect shots would have been polished. And I feel like credit needs to be given where they were quite daring with what they wanted to achieve with the Nautilus, with uh, the Beast at the end uh, or Moriarty's lair. And it definitely, you know, successfully pushed that fantasy aspect and further enforced, you know, that mix of like being in the past, but with technology of the future. I think this is a very interesting concept. And I feel like they played a lot with very interesting concepts. Um, So if I'm completely honest, I feel that the CG of this film shouldn't be solely blamed for why this is a bad movie, simply because given its time period, given, you know, when this movie was made, um, and having so many restrictions, uh, as I said before, with all the production issues, it just seems like Warner Brothers didn't really give them, you know, enough respect or or time to make it even better. And with a film like this, where the suspension of disbelief is basically thrown out the window from the first minute or so, and Sisters isn't a movie that's meant to be grounded or realistic or gritty, and something that's meant to be like a fantasy story, I can excuse bad CG. You know, I can accept it as being part of the fantasy. It's like one of those things where like, you know what? It's like an early 2000s movie. Like, you know, when I watch The Mummy and see like Imhotep's face in the sand, I don't go like, wow, that looks really bad. It looks bad, but you're kind of like, hey, fuck it. You know, it's part of the movie. Why not? At the time, it looked great. Exactly. Like, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And yes, if you compare this movie with say Return of the King and Pirates of the Caribbean, which did come out in the same year, is quite hard, you know, not because like the other two movies did have a lot better CG, but they did have a lot more time, a lot more budget. (laughs) So I feel like people that just don't like this film for the bad CG, like fuck off, mate. If I'm (laughs) like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're just talking about 
the story, right? Now, I understand lots of people have gripes with the story and the character development. Um, and yes, I admit the story is very basic and it's true. It's a very generic one that we have seen and heard time and time again. But like I said, it's legit pretty much the same story as the Avengers. And what I'm just trying to say is there are loads of other films, lots of other superhero films, especially the early Marvel films, um, like looking at the first Thor film and those Captain America film and most of the phase one films. They're, I would say they're pretty much on the same level as Extraordinary Gentlemen in terms of the script. And yes, the CG is more polished in the Marvel films and there is arguably better acting, but it's not that far off. And I feel that like, you know, most of the Marvel phase one movies have pretty respectable, respectable, you know, rating scores, like some, and we would obviously say, I like, we're very quick to say that, you know, Floor 1, Captain America 1 are bad movies. Well, not bad movies, but like weak Marvel films. And they still got like, what, 70% at least on Rotten Tomatoes. This film got 17. And they're legit, in my opinion, they're, it's not like the other one is that much better. Like, I feel like they're more or less the same. This got 17. <laughs> um, and like, you know, four one, I'm pretty sure we got like 71. It's like the exact reverse. And, you know, I, I mean, I personally feel like there are just lots of moments in this movie uh, where you can appreciate some awesome epic shit. Like ne Captain Nemo is lit. I mean, big up for Indian representation, firstly. And secondly, he looks fly as fuck. His ship is sick. It's called the oh, Nautilus, yeah. the Sword of the Sea. Like, oh my god, it legit looks cool. It's a fucking giant submarine that looks like a giant blade. Like, come on. Dorian Gray, iconic queen. Like, he's got the most swag of all time. I mean, his suit matches his fucking chair, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> like, how much swag, how much drip does this guy need? Um, there's a few good jokes in there. And... The, and Talk about CG, Invisible Man. Yo, the CG for Invisible Man is insane. When he's like putting on the makeup and like he's invisible, but he's wearing a jacket. So it's like completely see-through. And then he puts on makeup and he applies it so that other people can see him. That effect looks legit. For 2003, I was just like, yo, this looks way, like this looks insane. This looks like, this kind of holds up and it does. Um... But that being said, you know, I, I'm going to go into a segment now where I am going to address some of the issues that people usually say. Um, now, this film has a lot of issues, especially with the story. Uh, I did get around to reading volume one of the graphic novel. Um, and I was surprised by how much uh, the producers and writers changed it for the big screen debut. Uh, so you can confidently say, like I said before, that this film is only loosely based on the book. And I fully understand why Alan Moore and the fans have such a disdain for Moore's work being adapted and butchered for a film. And what's very evident is that uh, 20th Century Fox... Sorry, I think earlier I said Warner Brothers. It's 20th Century Fox. Um, but 20th Century Fox obviously liked the premise of you know these lead characters coming together to be part of a hero team to save the world. But I think that's the only element that they liked. And you mentioned X-Men earlier, and I feel like they wanted this to basically be like and the X-Men series and hopefully appeal to the same audience. And I suppose it kind of did because uh, it did, you know, okay numbers at the box office and um, it had like a PG-13 rating. So a lot of the adult themes and ideas from the book 
had to be removed. So I understand that. Um, and I do think the film was like a 50-50 split with audiences. Like if you read the comics, you'll probably hate it or be hugely disappointed with the film. And if you haven't read the comics, and I didn't read it at the time because I was quite young, um, you may get some enjoyment out of it. So, and I definitely did. And the thing is, even now, having read the graphic novel, I don't suddenly hate the film. I do see it as a huge wasted opportunity because the source material is so good. But, you know, as I said, if you separate the source material and this, it's still a good film. And, like, um, you know, if there ever was a film that was more about the journey than the ending, it's it's very much this film. You know, I feel like the first and second act are really good. I guess it's kind of like Wonder Woman, like we said in the DC episode, where the first and the second acts were really good, but the third act really failed. Um, but usually with like bad movies, you kind of expect that lots of things that were set up in the start of the movie, you would expect a bad movie to never address again. But these were kind of tied up pretty well in the film. Um, for example, at the beginning of the film, they teased the picture of Dorian Gray. At the end, we do see the picture. And that's what kills Dorian Gray because he turns out to be a traitor and the only way of killing uh, this immortal being was showing him his own painting. Or we've got Alan Quartermain who um, develops a kind of surrogate father role to Tom Sawyer throughout the movie. Um, and I think that was a very well-handled storyline to be fair. There was definitely a growth. There was definitely arc between them where you know Quartermain goes on about he lost his son on one of his adventures and he kind of turned his back on the British Empire. And Tom Sawyer, he's like this young kid, young American kid who's pretty reckless and pretty shit at his job, if I'm completely honest. But Quartermain is just there. He trains him. And um, in the beginning of the film, Quartermain, he, he's like the best sharpshooter in the world or something. Like he can legit, like he may be like 70 billion years old, but he can like nail a target from like 900 yards or some shit but he couldn't shoot without his glasses like that was like a really funny line he was just like oh the guy's so far and Quartermain like puts his gun down and the other guy's like oh yeah i thought so and then he puts on glasses he's like oh i hate getting old he puts his gun back up and just fucking nails the guy i was like oh shit um but yeah so the fact that Quartermain couldn't shoot well without his glasses anymore and in the end in the final climax his glasses are broken so then he gives the gun to Tom Sawyer and he's like, your time has come. This is you now. So the young blood, he takes the shot, boom, and he learned from his training with Quartermain. And it was just, you know, perfectly tied up in a bow sort of situation. And I thought it was very satisfying. And if I'm satisfied at the end, you know, isn't that like an all's well that ends well? Um, and Debatable. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, all right, you know, touche. But... You know, Alan's last words of the film was that may this new age be yours as the last one was mine. And I thought that was a really cool line because it was like, you know, the world was entering into a new age at the turn of the 19th century. And it was about to be a world of machines, of war and global kind of, you know, world war. Um, and it felt like the old guard, like these fantasy supernatural beings and the heroes of old were kind of moving on and they were like passing the torch kind of like, you know, the elves moving on to the West in Lord of the Rings, they're kind of like, you know, it's your time now. This is the time the, the time of man. And I thought it was pretty neat. And I just personally feel that 
if modern day superhero film fans, like, you know, Marvel fanboys and shit, and let's be real, most of the new modern fanboys, they don't read the comics, so they don't know shit, right? Most of them just know the movies. They're just there for the hype. Exactly. Now, if you take the, if you take that audience, gave them this film and told them to give this film a chance and not tell them of all the hate and all the ratings, and uh, they would probably love this film. Like, they would probably be like, yo, it's pretty lit. And I feel that people hate this film because your friend hates this film or because a critic hates this film. But you don't actually remember this film. We never even watched this film. But when you watch it on your own or with your family or with your friends, it's a jolly good time. And it's definitely a film that you should watch with your friends, I think. Because, you know, you can laugh at the bad CG, but you can cheer at the cool moments. Like, look at the iconic queen that is fucking Dorian Gray. Like, he's just lit. He's just, like, the swaggiest guy I've ever seen. And he's kind of, like, you're at first, you're like, I'm not sure if he's, like, a... If he's, like, a... You're not sure which way he swings. Like, in the beginning, you're kind of like, are you... Like, are you gay or are you straight? And you're definitely like, he's definitely bisexual. And, and I feel like loads of these characters in this film have very ambiguous kind of like orientations. I love it. I just love like the iconic queen energy <laughs> that you get from this film. I just love it. Yeah, he's just out there and he's like, I, I can have whatever I want. And, to be fair, it's Dorian Gray. Like, I'm pretty sure like an immortal. That's he's his probably, whole character. Yeah, exactly. Though. But I love it. And, you know, I feel like if you and friends can enjoy this film and laugh and cheer and have a good experience, a fun experience. Isn't that what movies should be like? And yes, of course, it is a huge shame that, uh, you know, from what I've heard and from the research that the director and the actors didn't get along and perhaps you weren't given the true version of the director thanks to the studio butting in. But even still, I think the finished product that we did get to see isn't as bad as people say it is. You know, it's definitely worth a watch. And LXG may not be good, but it certainly is not extraordinarily bad either. It's very watchable. It's very fun. And in my opinion, just a very criminally underrated film. And yes, there's loads of like, you know, character development. There's not enough character depth and shit, but hey, shut up, man. You're just like, you know, you're trying, you're saying that just so you, you want to sound like you love and appreciate films and shit. Do you like, <laughs> I personally feel that all the haters of this film are like expecting too much from this film. And okay, here's the thing. I get it. I understand. You know, this film is definitely not nuanced. This doesn't have layers. It doesn't have sophistication. It doesn't have philosophical meaning. And it isn't by any means, you know, a good, like, a, 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 you know, an iconic film. It doesn't deserve to be like preserved in the archives of best films for sure. <laughs> but tell me after a long days of work sometimes when someone suggests that oh let's watch you know band of brothers or or let's watch true detective and you might be like you know what i'm kind of tired i just kind of want to watch like a fun film tell me this film isn't that this film is fun it's lit at me right now you know what anyone who disagrees with me on this podcast after hearing this <laughs> at me at me right now i will beef you i will fucking scrap you right i will show you a photo of dorian gray and you're gonna be like you know what he's lit and i'm like ha that's what i thought motherfucker and yeah that's pretty much my bit thank you thank you thank you so just got us banned from frustrating <laughs> <our> audience <laughs> yeah, yo if the audience can appreciate this film i'm sorry but you can move on and 
Join the pretentious gang, okay? Peace. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but yeah, well, that's my that's my bit. I mean, that was very well said. Thank you. Uh, I agree because I love that film too. Right. Thank you. Thank so, you. So, hat off to you, sir, for wanting to fight people. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, I hate physical violence. Like, I don't, I do not condone the behavior. <laughs> I do not condone the behaviors of. Uh, my, I do not condone my own my behavior. own my own actions and words. But for reals, though, if you don't like this film, you're fucking chatting shit. All right, fuck you. Yeah, at me, family. At me right now, family. <laughs> But no, don't you think? Like, I feel like it's exactly like what you said with Tomb Raider. Like, yes, they're not that good. But it's like, right, I would group Tomb Raider, LXG, The Mummy, The Mummy Returns as that same kind of category where they're not good, but they're enjoyable to watch. You know, they're mainly... What? Ooh, okay. I would actually put Mummy one up. Okay. All right, touche. I get you. Just because... I think Mummy has actually stood the test of time Touché. much better. And the story is actually very coherent. The acting is pretty great. Touché. The lines are great. It's really memorable. Brendan Fraser is an iconic queen. He's a, Dude, I feel so bad for that guy. He's oh, recently yeah, come trust, out same. with his story. Like, I highly mm. recommend you read into his life. Mm. It is I'm glad he's coming back. Fucking tragedy. I miss his hair <laughs> true i gotta say but okay okay all right you're right you're right okay maybe maybe mummy is you know maybe one level up but i do feel like you know that like these it's the films... early 2000s man. exactly like, early 2000s action exactly it's flash over substance but yeah, in all its glory it's fun flash who doesn't like who doesn't love a fun f- like tell me you don't watch tomb raider or lxg or the mu- okay the mummy okay one level up fair but you know what i mean but what watch the mummy returns yes you're not learning anything and no it's not like thought provoking but tell me it's not fun tell me when yes. brendan fraser makes his funny faces and shit you're not like, like <laughs> Scorp- scorpion king i hate that film but you enjoy it because it's good fun exactly exactly i mean look at like you know ru- like, Rush Hour is not a good film, but I fucking whoa, whoa, love that. Whoa, 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 I will fight you. It's a great <laughs> film, but it when you think about the story and shit, and, like, the, oh, you know, the course. themes it's and shit. It's a funny Exactly, film. it's like a, it's, it's a story, a exactly. And that's the same argument that people would have about LXG or Tomb Raider. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. the story's so basic, like, uh. I'm like, dude, 80% of the movies you watch have the same fucking story technically and if if you sat there and you went out of your way to watch stories that were crazy depth i mean okay if you wanted to go and watch a complex story every day of your life just go watch christopher nolan films Mm. over and over yeah if that's your thing like then fair yeah go for it yeah but if if you're one of those people that like is like a film snob and you're like i only watch eight out of ten, <laughs> nine exactly. out of ten mm-hmm. films i am indeed this <laughs> is a great director oh yes it is like, sir. do go fair on fair play to you sir <laughs> i like watching deep films i like watching exactly. beautiful mm. cinematic mm. historically I mean, important films but like fuck me am i not allowed to chill exactly out i mean while? yeah obviously like look at the our previous episodes where we had to pick our favorite tv shows and shit we picked lots of nuanced films we picked lots of depth and yes of course we do have a huge appreciation for those films and those films 
those TV shows are definitely a class above. It doesn't mean you have to bash everything that's not, you know? Well, I mean, let's be real. I picked prison school. That's literally just sexual Okay, there we go. There we go. Well, that, that was like meant to be our guilty pleasure picks before our yeah, top yeah. picks. Yeah, exactly. But that show is held in high regard. Okay, fair so, enough. So, <laughs> you know, it's... It doesn't have to be super depth in depth. It doesn't exactly. have to be super deep. Exactly. You're allowed to chill out. You know, I know plenty of people who don't like to watch draining films because mm. it is draining. Mm, no, for you sure. You have to concentrate. Yeah. You know, Life is all about film, balance. Exactly. And watching film mm. is a form of escapism. Mm-hmm. And if if you know a lot of people don't like watching horror, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna force people to watch a horror exactly. film if you don't like Exactly. Horror film. You know it- if you don't like something, don't chat shit about it, mm. don't watch it avoid it mm. exactly it's fine and the thing is like me and my flatmates um you know we ch- we try to do like a big movie night every night because we've got like a projector and shit it's pretty lit marcus you need to come over sometime uh after yeah, quarantine's all done and shit. the way to the east end of london yeah but it's lit though we got a projector yeah but anyway um you know we, <laughs> every night like we tend to like pick like you know dark deep films and shit but then that's only because in the day I'll probably be watching something really dumb and I just want to balance it out. Legit. And like, you know, who doesn't enjoy watching a bit of a comedy now and then or an action film or like, you know, like an early 2000s, you know, pulpy, flashy movie like this, you know? It's lit. Mm-hmm. So I'm eager to hear what your next pick is. I'm eager. All right. <laughs> this is actually one of my biggest and favorite guilty pleasures is Van Helsing Woo! 2004. There we Cue go. the theme song that nobody remembers. <laughs> Starring the one and only Hugh Jackman. 2004, this is like straight after the X-Men thing. Was booming. Wait, do you Jackman. mean do you mean huge jacked man? <laughs> yes. God damn it! I knew that was coming. <laughs> Lol. Yes, it is starring huge Jackman <laughs> at the beginning of his never-ending rise to A-list. He's just like he's beyond the A-list now. He's like a star. He's every Asian parent's kind of dream. <laughs> is he? <laughs> no, he's like every Asian parent's dream grade. I guess he's yeah. like max rank A. Max you know, rank SS. Like, yeah, he's like oh, not oh, that Nancy. SS. Yeah. <laughs> I meant like SS class. Oh right, yeah, he's just like on that special level of celebrity. Everyone mm. loves him. So starring Hugh Jackman as the titular protagonist, Van Helsing, Kate Beckinsale stars alongside him, and this is you know 2004. As you can tell, almost all of our picks are early 2000s. I think all of them are misunderstood films. <laughs> mm. But Kate Beckinsale in the early 2000s was kind of unknown and she was famous for her Underworld films. And I think that's kind of what she's only famous for, let's be real. Mm. <laughs> so she stars as Anna Valerius and she honestly has one of the worst Transylvanian accents in the film, but that's kind of why you love her because it's so ridiculously bad. So we got Richard Roxburgh, who plays an amazing Dracula. And he's 
more well known as the Duke in Moulin Rouge, but he's also in League of Extraordinary Yeah, I was going to say like, hey, I was legit about yeah. to like, oh, okay. Crossover, crossover. <laughs> there were rumors, you know, there were rumors. But anyway. Mm, I know, I know. So, uh, and last but not least, David Wenham, who is... Who? David Wenham, uh, okay, so he's in 300. He's like the dude with the one eye. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's a great actor. He, I can just never... He's always the same character in like ancient Greece movies. Like, isn't Mate, he the same in guy this, in Troy? In this though, he's he's like this really awkward friar named Carl. Right. So <laughs> Carl. <laughs> yeah, Carl. So Metacritic, 35. And <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 24. Oh, God. So, you know, we're starting off pretty low here. Uh So the plot is literally as simple as it could really be. Monster hunter Van Helsing is sent to Transylvania by the church to stop Count Dracula from using Frankenstein's research to bring his undead spawn to life. (laughs) Okay. Super simple. I pretty much... The majority of monster movies are about this. And that's why I love this film. This film... Is like almost like a, an homage to the very early Universal horror films because this includes Dracula, it includes the Wolfman, it includes Frankenstein's monster. This film includes more vampires than I had ever seen when I first watched this film. Because mind you, this is two thousand four. My parents did not let me watch this film. I remember getting a bootleg copy when I was in Thailand. <laughs> You know when you used to get those like really crappy yeah. like copy CDs in like you yeah, know, in like, like a ten... pe- in like a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like one eighty p, but you'd watch it. One eighty p. Yeah, it was literally just atrocious. Oh God, just potato. And you used to have, like, really bad like Thai subtitles. I watched it religiously. I loved this film as a Fair kid. Enough. But it scared the shit out of me okay. because it is actually quite scary. It's super CGI heavy. And that was a main criticism of a lot of people. A lot of people were like, this is just a CGI shit show. Hmm. And you know what? Like, it is. It is. There's loads of CGI in it. All the, like, werewolf scenes, crazy CGI. Although, I will say, you know, usually when a, a werewolf is transforming in pretty much any film I've seen, it's more like hair grows on the man and, like, you know, mm-hmm. they become this big werewolf. Interestingly... In Van Helsing, it's one of my favorite depictions of a, of a werewolf transformation, purely because instead of them like you know hair coming out the body, they actually rip their skin off Ugh. to kind of go with the line like the beast is within. Right, and I love that. It was it's it was a really interesting. It, you know, there's only a few scenes where you actually see a werewolf transformation, but I loved it. I loved it. So. <laughs> <laughs> director steven sommers he did the mummy too <laughs> so it seems like there's a lot of mummy talk going on here that film we need to i need to return to i love that film mm. so riding off the success of his first mummy film and the mummy returns films he just went like you know what i'm gonna make some classic universal horror icons so van helsing dracula and the wolfman these are some of the most iconic literary characters okay sure i'm gonna stop you right there surely there there has to be like some 
connections of LXG and Van Helsing. I'm sure. Was it by 20th Century Fox? That's actually a good question. If it is, I'm pretty sure they must have been setting up something. Well, supposedly this was supposed to start a franchise. Uh, okay. But because it did so poorly, it ah, died on its ass. Fair, fair. So it's uh it's a bit it's universal. Mm. Of course it's universal. It's a universal. <laughs> they horror. do love, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, can you imagine if there was a crossover that Oh like... my god. Hey, yo, alright, alright. An- another okay, not meant to be a dig or anything. It feels like I'm <laughs> bashing lots of MCU fans <laughs> today, even though I'm a huge MCU fan myself. But hey, all these joke men out here saying like, oh yeah, man. The like <clears throat> Endgame or Infinity War is like the biggest MCU, like biggest crossover of all time. Oh nah, bro, this would have been the <laughs> one. This would have been lit. <laughs> Gee, imagine like all the literary like. Okay, obviously like Universal tried doing this dark universe thing ever since the MCU, but this would have been before all of that shit. That would have yep. been lit. Imagine if like they were gonna tie in like. Because the director, because the director of LSG also did Blade. Imagine if they did like Blade meets this meets, oh. like, I don't know, the Van Helsing as well. I mean, the uh, if you forget madness. Blade, LSG and Van Helsing, pretty much like there's quite a lot of overlap because the Dra- universe works. Yeah, it, it works. really does. Yeah. Oh that. Oh man, that would be so sick. Even goosebumps, TBA. Hype. <laughs> like the worst movies of all time joined together. And, I mean, you know, universally worst, but to us, fucking genius. Oh, that'd but be amazing. That would have been <laughs> lit. Ah, my lord. Okay. Oh, oh, my god. So, I mean, you actually just mentioned my next point. While this film is not as ambitious as setting up a whole universe in one film, like the recent Mummy remake with with Tom Cruise, oh, so god. much potential flushed down the drain because. Like, like we've actually mentioned earlier, it's, again, a studio literally trying to ride the train of, let's set up a franchise instantly. Impossible. Mm. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And arguably, that, that kind of ethos of trying to set up a universe or franchise in the Van Helsing film is actually the film's biggest crutch because it tries to introduce a very rich history of such iconic characters into just one film mm. although contradicting myself because the, the true the, the film treats you in a way where they're kind of there like you know what i don't need to reintroduce you to like the whole dracula ethos because you should fucking know mm-hmm. and i like that about the film you you could just watch it you know I, I could i could sit down with my missus and she could watch it and she could know nothing about the characters and she'd be like okay cool you know i'm good mm-hmm. like do i care like no not really i don't need a 30 minute intro explaining dracula was a man who upset god and needed to drink blood i don't care if i want to do that i'll go watch i am Utrecht of bebenberg (laughs) (laughs) every episode cameo (laughs) but like if i wanted to go deep and hard on the backstory of these characters i'd go watch bram stoker's uh, dracula you know, mm. to me, this film doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. And why should it? Like, really? The CGI and special effects for the time, a lot of people say they weren't that great. And of course, they haven't aged great. But I remember them as a kid 
being great but that's probably because i was watching it in 180p so i couldn't actually tell what was happening <laughs> 180 I mean, it just fucking cracks me up 180 with high subtitles like lol yeah on like a big box tv oh good old days you know? and on let's be real hugh jackman can actually do no wrong oh uh, whoa, 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 whoa. okay hold on i think okay controversial hot showman, take i hate that film controversial hot take Mm. I think Hugh Jackman is only good in X Men. Okay, he's he's a shit actor. I'm sorry, I think he's shit. All he can do is grunt. He's legit the most gruntiest actor I've ever seen. Uh, if you watch The Prisoner, or oh, he's great in that. He's he's I, but the whole time he's just like <sighs> he okay. legit can only play the same guy, the angry guy. Like he's just very for me very two-dimensional pers- okay, that's personally an interesting take i mean I-, I thought he was great at like eddie the eagle he was great he is great in the greatest showman i hate that film but he is great um i don't know, you know man as much as i hate the lemis film oh. he actually acts very well in it although he butchers the singing i was Jesus gonna say Christ, <laughs> we're not even gonna get into how much i hate that film but anyways <laughs> you can actually tell he had a really good time playing the character though like he had just come off playing wolverine in the x-men films and i believe he was actually recording the second x-men film as they were recording uh, as they were making this film so the action is actually great fun in this film it's got some really really big steampunk vibe going on and as a kid i was just like what the hell is this you know like Van Helsing uses some pretty weird weapons in the film. Like, the beginning, he actually murks the living shit out of Mr. Hyde. Like, Mr. Hyde just randomly appears in the film. Okay. More crossover, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And Mr. Hyde's in Paris as well, so it's even more like, maybe he was the same Mr. Hyde and he was killed in a different universe. But he, he dismembers Mr. Hyde at the beginning of the film with, like, these like buzz saws that spin i don't even know how they spin but they just spin and i was like all right cool i do love like this <clears throat> i mean i don't really remember van helsing too much because i think i've seen it maybe like twice but i do from what i'm hearing i do like the fact that this film and lxg had a very like steampunky kind of vibe where like it's technology that they wouldn't mm. have had but we don't give a fuck i honestly think that when you you should rewatch this, and I think you'll actually love it. You'll have a great time because it is ridiculous, and it is it's it's made with love. You can tell like they actually tried to make it as good as it could be, mm-hmm. you know. And like Van Helsing carries this crossbow around that seemingly has unlimited ammo, as as all superhero. Yep, I was gonna I was gonna say protagonists like, Legolas do. and stuff never run out. Yeah, but he's an elf. He's allowed. All right, fair. He can magic that shit. <laughs> but, you know, by the end of the film, we find that uh, Van Helsing has been, you know, uh, cut or wounded by a werewolf. So he himself now has like these werewolf powers. You know, every full moon, he he will become this big, bad werewolf. And, you know, he actually just goes into this like full beast mode because in the mythology of the film, he is gabriel uh like a fallen angel and he's like dracula's kind of 
brother in a way but not really it's just like in a biblical sense they're like fallen angels basically okay, okay. and like van helsing is a reincarnation or a living incarnation he has no memory of like god's kind of might and dracula is like you know i suppose satan in like the equivalent of satan fair play, fair play. Like, kind of like you know penny <laughs> dreadful uh portrays dracula as, as right. a fallen son of god which i actually i love that kind of mythos uh, being introduced to Dracula, I think in in the last twenty years, because originally when you think of Bram Stoker's Dracula, he was just like he was a kind of this monster that God that God turned away mm. from the world, and because he you know he was like you know oh, my wife is being killed, she killed herself. Ah, <laughs> oh, you know I'm gonna f- fuck you, God. I'm gonna drink people's blood now. Ah, uh, I am Uhtred of Pepinburg. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, that voice is just like just I know, synonymous just, with Utrecht now. It just comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like the mythos that the film presents. And like, honestly, Dracula in this film is so well acted. He's not this like really crazy reserved kind of uh, monster. Like you, you always see Dracula as this very timid, very quiet, kind of brooding character. But in this one, he's nuts. Like, the actor just gives it his all. <laughs> he's nuts. Like, he actually does so much, like, shouting and shit. And you're just there like, this is so sick. It's kind of like, he's he's kind of like the, the boss at the end of a video game. Fair enough. And he's just there like, you know, with like super big boys. He's like, ha ha, you've come <laughs> to fight me. You know? <laughs> There's none of that shit, thank God. I'm Fair so enough. sick of when, like, monsters just go, ha 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 ha. And you're just like, right. Wow, what you mean? That's like half the fun when they I have know, an evil I laugh. Know. I, I feel like <laughs> if a if a villain has a good evil laugh, you're halfway there. Like, look at Very Joker, true. you know? Boom. Very true. Mm. Yeah. And like, let's be real. This film had everything going for it. Stellar lead, classic monsters, a trusted monster director. But it, for some reason, it just didn't happen. It just fell on its ass. And I think it's just a case of too much too quick as we've, mentioned if they had decided to go with a more logical route just making it into a trilogy or at least being like okay we'll make this and then we'll make a sequel that expands upon the over like the idea that the first film explores it would have done better i i really believe that and if they had dialed down the cg yeah it would have been i imagine a commercial success hmm but you know what? I don't give a shit. To me, it's such a good time. And let's not forget the ending. You spend the whole film kind of seeing Van Helsing constantly save Anna, Kate Beckinsale's character, because she is kind of useless. She's the last of this. She's the last in this line, uh, lineage of Transylvanian leaders that fight vampires and shit. Okay. But she does nothing in the film but get caught by vampires and gets beat in fights so you're just kind of there like kind of a pointless she's basically just a love interest damsel in distress it's it's sad because kate beckinsale is a very capable badass as underworld has shown Mm -hmm. like she is such a badass in the first few films stop watching because it became terrible but the first few films that's actually an honorable shout out uh (laughs) underworld those are great films fair enough for what they are so it's it you know it, my gripe is Anna is an annoying character she's a love interest and you see Van Helsing kind of like form this bond with her and most of it's just kind of like oh I 
you know, it's Anna's character being like, no, 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 I am a strong woman. I don't need your fucking help. Fuck off. And then she constantly gets caught and has to be saved. But by the end of the film, they kind of have a thing, but they never acknowledge it. And then after Van Helsing has gone werewolf mode and destroyed Dracula, like both of them become like these crazy mythical beasts and it becomes a CGI shit show. And, you know, the werewolf prevails naturally because it's a film that everyone needs to be able to watch and be like, oh, there's going to be a sequel. Because mm-hmm. th- that was the idea. And then, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I'm going to cure you with my little werewolf needle. <laughs> she gets, like, she actually gets killed at the end of the film by Van Helsing. And oh, then he shit. turns back into a human after being stabbed with the uh, antidote. But he, as a werewolf, kills her. But she dies in his arms. Oh, damn. As Van Helsing. It's really sad, to be honest. Yeah, it actually ends on a really low note. And then, and then, it, and then you're just kind of there. It, it leaves it very much open to a sequel, and there was supposed to be a sequel to the point where, <laughs> seven days after the film came out, the box office was so bad and the reception was so bad, they were like, "Nope, cancelled. Fuck Damn. it. Damn. Throw it out the window." Did and it? And so yet again. Oh yes, yes. Did it? Um, how well did it do in the box office? Do you know? That's a good question. Actually, like, what was its budget, and then what was like um. What, like what was this gross? Gross, gross, gross. Mm. It's, it's gross. So it's budget hundred and sixty mil, and gross hundred and twenty. Wow! So it actually did flop. Damn. Yeah, I mean, worldwide gross was a uh, three hundred. Okay. But I guess at the time mm. it just wasn't. It just wasn't worthwhile. To be fair, one hundred and sixty million budget is actually huge, but it that's is. probably because of the clout of the director Stephen Sommers mm. at the time because you know he did have a good track record but perhaps because of his good track record and because he had made two successful monster films and because in the early 2000s slash late 90s loads of these kind of monster films like Blade, League, um, you had Mummy were coming out maybe people got a bit of fatigue you know mm. that's I think that might be possible I can't remember these periods because i was so small <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay to sum it up yet again with the words of roger ebert <laughs> here we go van helsing somehow succeeded in assembling all his monsters and plot threads into a high voltage climax van helsing is silly spectacular and fun huh what uh, how many stars did he give it three he gave both what he gave this film three and he gave Tomb Raider three, and he which gave Alex G. Fuck off! What? Hey, yo, Roger. Hey, big up, my brother. Rest in peace and all that. But boo! <laughs> How's Alex G. getting one and Van Helsing got three? What? It's rigged, mad, right? Rigged. But no, fair enough, though. Fair enough. It's it's actually a bit scary to be honest that Roger Ebert, who is like one of the most hardcore was one of the most hardcore reviewers gave both of my films three out of five stars and actually pretty good summaries and And yet everyone still hated them yeah i mean to be honest though i don't actually trust the word of any reviewer any website i just watch the film and Mm. make my mind up for myself as you should too listener 
You don't need to listen to dickheads like us. Mm. Although, Very true. You should go watch these fucking films or I'll cut your legs off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. violence in this episode. <laughs> we don't condone violence here. <laughs> but we will. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty much my piece. But I think we should move on to some very honorable dishonorable mm, mentions mm. i mean i basically started writing a second film but i realized like considering how long my um lxg bit was i would i think i decided like now nah, maybe not and i'll just have it as like a short little bit but i know you don't like this film and i know loads of people don't like this film but i think is a whole bundle of fun valerian boo, boo shut up <laughs> Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I fucking... I don't mind that film. I like... Okay, here's the thing. I admit the casting was terrible. Dane DeHaan, I love him. Dane DeHaan is fucking sick. He's an amazing actor, but just not Valyrian. You know, I wanted someone like... I know it's quite hard to find someone that matches that kind of energy, but I wanted like someone like a Harrison Ford type of actor for Dane, uh, for Valerian. And Cara Delevingne, as we've said in the DC cannot episode, act. just cannot act. And she was just basically there for like her star power and shit. But other than that, and I know it's a huge other than that because they are the main characters, this film is a fucking joy to look at. You know, it had some amazing sequences. That opening scene where it changes from a four by five aspect ratio because it was set in the past and then it going to widescreen and then from it going like pixelated and noisy to HD as fuck to symbolize, you know, it was, it started off with like uh, the Russians and Americans in the space race and then it turning into like a, you know, in like, like throughout the ages, more nations joined the space station. You get, you see China, you see India, and then after the humanity unites in space, you get aliens that come, and then they start expanding. I think that opening sequence is amazing, and then there's like loads of cool moments and cool technology. That's very much Luc Besson's like classic thing. Where Fifth Element is one of my favorite films, and I feel like you got lots of that similar energy with Valerian. And unfortunately, and yes, the story is pretty, very generic again. And Cara Delevingne's character has the guise of being a strong, independent character, but in the end, is still very much just a damsel in distress. And the characters are not well acted. But that being said, I think <laughs> that's a big but. <laughs> it is again, it is a big but, and I know I'm not really giving a good case here, which is why I decided not to do my piece on it. If I'm completely honest, <laughs> but <laughs> but. I just really enjoy that film. I think it's just lots of fun to watch and I really like it. And like, I would sit down and be like, yeah, that's a cool looking shot. I think visually it's great. And at the end of the day, like, you know, like we've said so many times throughout this episode, sometimes I just want to do that. Sometimes I just like watching a nice, cool, you know, interesting concept. Um, but yeah, what, what are, what are some of your honorable mentions? You know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you that. You know, I, I fell asleep during that film. I just literally just couldn't care. <laughs> oh, like, I, I will agree with you. The visuals and the CGI was great, mm. but like, I don't know if you, if you listeners can tell, like, I'm not massive on CGI. I get, I don't like oh, yeah, films that use CGI for everything. Cause I just, I find it really difficult to connect. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Cause it's like, no matter how quote unquote real, it looks it's still not real i'd rather watch an animated thing because at least i can like 
buy into that. I don't know why. I just I just do. But but, but moving on to my dishonorable honorable mentions. Last Action Hero. That's a great Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Mm-hmm. That dude can do no wrong. Sucker Punch. Cinematically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Great film. soundtrack. Stupid plot. But does it matter? It's cinematic mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Punisher films. Like honestly, they're it's 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 Punisher, dude. Mm-hmm. Like he just slams down on criminals. It's a good time. Con Air. It's a bunch great of cons film. in an airplane. Nicholas Cage, John Malkovich. If you don't like that film, fuck yourself. The Wicker Man, and not the original Wicker Man, because that is a classic film held in high regard. I'm talking about the Nicholas Cage Wicker Man. It's really not that bad. Just get over Nicholas Cage's kind of overacting, because he does that in every film. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very watchable film. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift, great soundtrack, Asian representation in main Hollywood. Hell yeah! I am so there. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, wait, 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 I want to do a reenactment of that movie. <clears throat> There's an iconic scene when Sean and uh, his friend go into an elevator, and he's like, hey man, do you know who that guy is? He's like, who? He's DK, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Donkey DK. Kong? What? Donkey Kong? Drift. Drift? What's drift? <laughs> and the <laughs> elevator opens, and you just get like, shh. Oh, dude, let, let us be real. The soundtrack. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. If you've seen it, then you mean it. That then was you know you have everyone's to theme song. Fuck on yeah, their phone. mate. Bro, it was lit. Teriyaki Boys is a place to be. 7 Eleven is the spot. Hey, that's good so shit. So good. Oh, that film. I need to revisit that. Yeah, same. So much great fun. film. Great film. Deep, Deep Blue Sea. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that, Seb. Isn't that the but... one where Samuel Jackson dies? Yeah, he gets eaten by a shark. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just like they try to cure cancer by doing experiments with sharks. Okay. It's stupid. It's great fun. Triple X. Oh, really, oh. really good action oh. films. Do you know what? I actually think the one of Ice Cube is better than the one of Vin Diesel. I'd agree with you, bro. That, that Ice Cube's film, fucking great, mate. Triple X, the next level. Again, is another film that everyone hates. It's sick. Like, come on. It's sick. The opening scene with everyone dressed in black. And oh, then they yeah. kind of like storm the CIA headquarters and shit and shoot everyone up. I'm like, it's yo, so this good. is like a fucking video game movie. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wild Wild West. Mm. That Weirdly enough, that film actually signified the end of Will Smith's kind of blockbuster film like role that mm. he'd been doing because he like literally every film he'd done was like blockbuster gold mm. the wild wild west terribly great it's not that bad like it's just it's just good fun mm. great theme song though wild wild west mm-hmm. godzilla mm. not the new one the i'm 19- talking about 1990 the 1990 is it eight or nine 1999 something like that yeah honestly like it's not amazing but it's really not as bad as everyone's saying mm-hmm. you know and last but not least for me, Scorpion King, which we mentioned earlier, really not as bad. I mean, the CGI at the end wait, is wait, atrocious. Wait, are we talking about The Mummy Returns or The Scorpion King solo the, movie? The Scorpion King solo film. Okay, well, okay. I don't think I can back that, but <laughs> I don't think I can back that, but okay, that okay. film's a bit dead. <laughs> uh, okay, fair, fair play, fair play. <laughs> I'm just sitting out here by myself. Oh, actually, you know what? Because you were mentioning, uh, you mentioned Valerian. Mm. I'm going to mention John Carter. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Because that's actually, I've, I've really, it's not even bad. I, I'd say it's actually like a, a decent film. Okay. okay. It just, I think uh, people were just kind of tired and they just saw it as another Star Wars-esque story. Even though it was pre-Star Wars, mm. the book it is based off. Mm-mm-mm. And the CG in that film is actually pretty stunning. Yeah, no, nah, it does look insanely great. That was fair. one of Disney's biggest flops ever. Mm. I hope Disney has more flops so they stop making shit films. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's 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 my dishonorable honorable mentions list. Fair I don't know is. if you have any more to bring up, but um, that's me. Nah, TBH, and you've kind of mentioned most of them, if I'm completely honest. It I is mean... so difficult to think of films that are held as mm. bad. Like, I've looked at so many lists... And mo- the majority of these lists are films that are so bad they're good, and that's mm. that's a different thing. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. I feel like basically just go on Wikipedia or IMDb, search early two thousands movies, and you'll probably find a crap ton of movies that are on the similar strand as the ones we've talked about today, where they're flashy. You know, they're, okay, Fantastic Four, the first one, pretty bad, right? But (laughs) it can still be pretty fun, you know? You're just, like, seeing Captain America, I mean, Human Torch, lol, (laughs) seeing, like, you know, the Jessica Alba, which is kind of weird because they gave, like, a Latina actress, like, blue eye contacts and blonde hair, which is kind of rude. (laughs) But, (laughs) again, you know, it's it's an all right, it's it's a fun movie to watch still, I mean... Mm-hmm. and like think about incredible hulk think about like ang lee's hulk there are loads of like you know movies that are like pretty bad but at the same time you watch it it's pretty good and like you said there is definitely going to be a future episode where we talk about movies that are so bad they're good um because yeah, i can think of loads already but i think at the end of the day these films that we have mentioned today we admit They aren't the best of films, and they won't be remembered as cinematic marvels or classics anytime soon, or ever probably. But in many ways, there are films that you could just sit back, you can turn your brain off, and enjoy. They're not that nuanced, they're not deep, they're not philosophical, but they make for a good time. A time where you, your friends, your family can just enjoy and laugh. And isn't that what a movie should be sometimes? A good time? Speaking of good time, I just thought of one that's fucking lit. Transformers 1 and 2, baby. Boom. Fair play. Transformers, the fran- like the franchise now, terrible. But the first two, they're not that bad. <laughs> like, Shia LaBeouf is hilarious. Megan Fox is gorgeous. And yes... It is pretty much just like testosterone, eye candy candy movie, jacking off the American military. But, and loads of people do have gripes with the comedy and like, you know, the parents. I think it's hilarious. I think it's good fun. I think Optimus Prime is lit. Bumblebee's cool. Shia LaBeouf is hilarious. And the thing is, I feel like, yes, most of these films are going to be boosted by nostalgia for sure. But, Come on, man. Who doesn't want, who doesn't like a little bit of nostalgia? Who doesn't like going back? Like most of these films, you know, for our, most of our audiences that are pretty much our age, my audience and, you know, <clears throat> the people that follow me on my main profile are pretty much our age. So 
most of us grew up in the late 90s or early 2000s. Pretty much any movie made in that period is going to have somewhat of a special impact that's like plus five for rating. <laughs> it could be like a zero, but it's plus five because it's early 2000s and we loved it as kids. And that's just a fact. You know, at the end of the day, we just want to watch and have a good time. And that's what movies should be about. Here, here. Well here, said. here, indeed. But that pretty much concludes today's episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed. As always, I've been Seb. And I've been Marcus. And we'll catch you guys on the flip side. What will next episode be? Who knows?